Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, how emotion drives the spread of misinformation, disinformation, and fake news online and what you can do about it. Bowling Green State University Associate Professor Christy Galetta Horner explains. We found probably unsurprisingly that participants were more likely to believe the fake headlines that we showed them that aligned with their existing beliefs. So, for example, liberals were more likely, in general, to believe negative news about conservatives and vice versa. We also found that people reacted with more negative emotions, so anger, fear, that kind of negative emotion, to fake headlines again that attacked their party, that made their party look bad or their candidate look bad. We also found that people were more likely to say that they would try to push back against a fake headline. So, for example, by posting a comment saying this isn't true or, you know, posting some sort of um, fact check, they were more likely to do those things when the headline that they saw attacked their own party as opposed to the other party, even though they knew it was fake in both cases. Okay, well, how is it that they determined whether it was fake or not? Did you so get that's that? that's a good question. All of, yes, all of the headlines that we showed them were fake. And I have to note that they knew that they were involved in a research study. We didn't go out and trick people on social media in the real world. We showed them headlines and then asked them how they felt about those headlines, supposing that they would see them on social media. We then asked them how believable they found the headlines to be. Then we essentially told them, this is a fake headline that you've just seen. We made it up. And uh, then we asked them how they would feel now knowing that it was fake if they saw a family or friend share that fake headline on social media. And then we asked them, what would you do about it? Would you you know, would you uh, unfriend that person? We gave them a whole list of possible actions that they might take if they saw somebody share that fake headline. And then we asked them some open-ended questions. Why did they feel that way? Why would they take those kinds of actions, et cetera? So what do you feel like you learned as a result of all of this? Oh, goodness. So one other finding that I, I feel like I need to touch on quickly because I think it's interesting is that we can sort people into three rough groups using something called cluster analysis. And we input all of the ways that they uh, reported that they felt about seeing these headlines. And we got a hot group who experienced a lot of emotions, and those people were more likely to take actions that would either spread or suppress the fake news. So they engaged more with things, but they also pushed back more on the fake headlines, or they said that they would push back more. Then we had the upset group. They had a bunch of negative emotions. They were more likely to suppress the spread of fake news, and they were not as likely to contribute to the spread of fake news. But what we found was that the biggest group, more people, fell into what we called the cold group. Um, This group reported kind of low levels of emotions. Um, They said that they were more likely to just ignore or disengage from the spread of fake news if they saw people on their feed spreading fake news. And they explained that in different ways, but uh, a lot of times they said, you know, it's not my place to get involved. I don't want to stir the pot. If my family and friends post false information, you know, it's not my problem. I shouldn't do anything about it. So I think one of the biggest things that we learned is that a lot of people are potentially becoming kind of used to fake news and complacent about it. And they, you know, a lot of them might not think that it's doing a lot of damage. We think that it certainly is. So we're hoping 
that one big takeaway from our study might be to get people kind of upset about the spread of fake news. It's hurting our democracy. It's leading to people making bad decisions based on false information. It's leading to, you know, even division and extremism. So we're hoping that this pattern that we saw where a lot of people are kind of sitting back and giving up and saying, I'm just going to be a passive bystander, we hope to kind of rally people to push back against fake news, especially in their own echo chambers where people might have more perceived credibility, where people might be more willing to listen to you if you say, this isn't true, what you just posted is is a piece of fake news. Okay, two thoughts. One, when it comes to fake news that's posted in social media, some of the time, much of the time, it isn't even a real person that's posting it. It's like a Russian bot or get something that's automatically generated by a malign actor. So your quote-unquote cold group not engaging is actually positive because they're not responding to an algorithm that's prompting them to do something that's false and to spread false information. So it's like having a virus and it's stopping because somebody's got a vaccine. So I see that as a positive to a certain degree. Oh yeah, that's certainly one way to look at it. Unfortunately, a lot of times what we see though is that people act as kind of facilitators of the spread because, you know, as soon as people engage with the item itself, so if you click on it, especially if you share it, that's kind of what we're hoping to get people to push back on is not things that are being generated by, well, certainly they might originate from bots, but things that are not showing up on their feed because some um, some page that they like shares it or something like that, but specifically one of their friends, a person that they actually know in their social media circle has engaged with that in a way that's actually spreading it further. And that's how these things go viral, that users pick up on these pieces of fake news and then they spread them like wildfire. So we're hoping to kind of help people think about how they might be firefighters. I agree with you, though, that we have to be really careful with how we engage with the fake news item because we certainly don't want it to spread even further. And the other thought that I had is just because you don't engage with fake news on your page does not mean that you don't care. What it could mean, and certainly what it means a lot of times for me, is that I just simply refuse to engage in things that are going to be inflammatory, in things that, one, are going to raise my blood pressure, and two, that I just know are fake. I just am not going to give it that kind of air, not on my feet. Sure, and I certainly agree with that stance as, you know, being probably a healthy one for all of us to take. I think that the problem is what we saw qualitatively when we asked people to describe things. They said things that, for example, people, it was a pretty strong theme that people would say, maybe this particular piece of news or this particular headline isn't quite true, but it might as well be true. Um, So almost dismissing the importance of truth itself in some cases and saying, it's close enough, it fits my narrative. So I might actually share that because it supports my preferences politically. And these were all political headlines. So I think that's where we get a little bit worried is when people are not concerned about helping to stop the spread of fake news, even willing to contribute to it if it supports their preferences. That's a little bit worrisome, I think. Sure. All of this, though, is putting an awful lot of responsibility on the poor end user who usually doesn't know which end is up. I mean, We're just the end user. The responsibility for this and heading it off on the front end goes to the social media owners, the the platforms themselves. And it's very clear to me that they are not taking the kind of responsibility that they should. They could. They're not. They're doing it because they want to make money. So what happens after that? 
I completely agree with you. In fact, some of the things that have been done in the past, um, this is why we were so interested in looking at emotions, because one of the things has been, for example, the social media platforms posting some sort of warning saying, you know, this has been debunked or here's a fact check. And people really just mistrust those. They might as well not do it to some point. I, I actually think that they should. There should be lots of things that they do to try to mitigate the spread of fake news including giving people information, but it really hasn't been a silver bullet. People aren't looking at that and saying, oh, I should ignore this headline. Instead, you know, if they want to believe the headline, they're likely to say, oh, I don't believe that fact check that the social media site posted. So I agree that that's certainly part of their responsibility. Another thing that recently was found out was that Facebook was giving more points in, in terms of the algorithm to reactions such as angry reactions than they were to things such as likes. So it's pretty clear that part of what's happening is that people's emotions are being targeted on purpose. People are being manipulated on purpose so that they will interact with, click on, and share these pieces of fake news because, like you said, it it makes people money. So I do agree that we need to kind of work with all angles that we have. One certainly should be making them be more accountable for what they're doing. Uh, The other is helping people to kind of rally against the spread of false information. Going back to your point about them, potentially putting some sort of a disclaimer on it. This could be fake news. We fact-checked it. What they need to do is they just need to take it out. They need to take it down. I agree with you completely. Yep, it just needs to come down. So then would you, as a result of this research, be advocating for more legislation to curb the excesses of social media, or is this just informational and not advocacy in any way? We really positioned this as informational. I have some implications that we that we think it has. We didn't really talk about legislation in the paper. I do think, you know, my personal views are that we certainly should be legislating, but it gets really tricky really fast when it's sometimes, like you said, it's difficult to distinguish between what's fake news and what's real news. We knew in our study because we made up the fake headlines, but I think there's also a spectrum that things can be completely false, fabricated information, but they could also just be, you know, unfairly biased or out of context. So I think it's going to take some work to kind of figure out where those lines need to be drawn. And and I certainly think that it's a, a difficult kind of thing to do in practice to have people or algorithms sorting through so much information, it's gotten relatively out of control. Right. I mean, I've even heard stories about people who are moderating objectionable content on social media developing really serious mental health issues because they're seeing so much really hideous, terrible, violent, awful information. And they, I have actually heard about some lawsuits against some of the social media giants as a result of this for subjecting people to this kind of thing. Wow, I hadn't heard of that. That is uh, not surprising, but but sure, certainly illustrates the problem or part of the problem. We also saw a lot of toxic language. We One of the essentially attention checks that we used that ended up being interesting data was to ask people to put put down three words that described the opposing party. So if they were Democrats, they you know, were describing Republicans and vice versa. And the type of words that we got were surprisingly toxic. We even ran a toxicity score for them and they rated pretty high. There were some expletives. Um, so there, there's quite a lot of animosity. Right. I guess I was kind of straying a little bit further afield than just fake news and going into violent and explicit content including child pornography, et cetera. 
But again, oh, you know, it falls under the same umbrella of this is objectionable content that needs to be moderated, and the social media giants have abdicated much of their responsibility to handle it at the front end, just in the exact same way that the telecom companies have abdicated their responsibility to shut down robocalls before they hit the network. And now there's some legislation, oh, yeah. you know, being pushed, saying, look, there's a technological fix for it. Why aren't they doing it? Why? Because just why like the social media companies, they're making money. Exactly. Yep, absolutely. So I guess in the interim, what we have is kind of our ability to help people, you know, be a little bit more aware when they see something, to have that pause and ask themselves, how does this make me feel? You know, why is it this is pointing me or making me feel kind of maybe sense of vindication toward the other party? Is this making me happy because I think that it's hurting the other party? Why is it that I want to share this? And then, of course, is this a good source of information? A lot of this looks like real news, but a lot of it is just, you know, a block of text that somebody has kind of put onto a white background and it gets shared like wildfire and people believe the information that they're seeing without any sort of information about the source and that's terrifying to me. Well, isn't a fix to tell people to stop getting their news off of social media and start actually consulting <laughs> actual real media? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of media, a lot of real media is shared via social media, though, so I think that that's, again, a difficult thing for people to parse sometimes when they don't have that type of, of knowledge base, and things that look like they came from a reputable source might not have, but they might have. So really helping people to learn how to make that determination is important, but I think before that, you have to have a reason to need to make that determination. Some people, they say, well, it's close enough to the truth, so it doesn't really matter. So obviously the advice here is for people to engage their brains more than to engage their emotions, right? I think that a lot of times emotions get a bad rap and people you know, say, you know, if you're emotional, it's a sign of weakness. I think that being really in touch with our emotions is actually a sign of great strength and can help us really understand the way that our emotions and our you know, cognitive functions, our, our thoughts um, and reasoning work together. Our emotions tell us really important information. However, sometimes that information is based on a false piece of information out in the world, such as a fake headline. So maybe there's a headline that, that should make us upset. And if it's, if it's a true headline, you know, we should feel upset and we should go take action in the world to right or wrong or to, you know, to address the problem. Um, but we have to be, again, really careful to make that pause between that initial feeling that we have, like, oh, you know, this is terrible news. This makes me really upset. I should do something about it. And, and make sure that somebody's not manipulating us into feeling that upset and into doing something about it, such as clicking on something and sharing it so that they make money or such as voting for a candidate that we wouldn't have necessarily voted for if we weren't being inundated with false information. That was Bowling Green State University Associate Professor Christy Galetta Horner. Thanks for listening. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.